0: 2 Peter chapter number 3, 2 Peter chapter number 3, very familiar portion of scripture, and then we'll be back in Joshua again. I've been uh, reading through the book of Joshua the last uh, couple weeks and just uh, uh, doing a lot of studies in there, and so the Lord's been triggering some messages, and so I invite you to 2 Peter chapter number 3 verse 18, we'll use that as a springboard once again, but the Bible says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord our sa- and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, once again, thank you. Blessed opportunity that we have to feast from your word. Lord, we ask that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that you would have your way and your will done. Lord, pray that, uh, Lord, that uh, everything that's said and done would bring you honor and glory. Lord, I pray that uh, we'd be challenged and convicted this morning. Lord, I pray that you would uh, convince us of our needs. And Lord, convict us of our failures. Lord, do a work that only you can get the praise for. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Notice here in the scriptures it says, But grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I, I'm going to preach a message that I've t- I've titled Stagnant Christianity. Stagnant Christianity. I believe that uh, statistics show that the average productivity of the Christian life, spiritual life, is about three years. That's sad. You know, uh, today I I want to bring some encouragement to those who might have gotten sidetracked, maybe gotten a rut, or whatever the case may be. Uh, I want to encourage you this, uh, this afternoon. Billy Sunday used to say this, if we... Christians were as weak physically as we are spiritually. We would all need crutches. That's sad, but very true, isn't it? I mean, if we were as weak spiritually as what we are uh, physically, as that we are spiritually, we would all need crutches. He was saying that if we were not growing spiritually, uh, then you ought to be worried. Now, uh, you know, we see babies all the time, and if You know, if I last year I see uh, little, um, I'm trying to think of the the babies now in our church, and uh, Andrew, I was thinking, there he is. It was back there, but it was way back there. Uh, But I seen Andrew, you know, a year ago, and and if he was the same size, same mental development, same everything, we would have, uh, we would be worried about him. But he's grown, he's gotten bigger, he's, you know, he's gotten smarter and and things like that. And so, uh, here's what I'm trying to say is that if you are not growing spiritually, there's, there's, there should be something inside of us saying, hey, there's a problem. There's a problem. The Bible says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible says, uh, till I come, give attention to reading, exhortation, and to doctrine. We need to be continually to grow. Now, we're not surprised when we grow physically. We expect it. If by chance growth doesn't occur, we immediately know something is wrong and we attempt to uncover the problem. However, we often look upon Christianity uh, Christians who have grown and are growing as extremist, if you will. Like they're they're, uh, super Christians. But the fact of the matter is is that we should be growing spiritually. Every Christian ought to be growing spiritually. I believe as Christians, we have no right to call ourselves normal until spiritual growth becomes as natural as physical growth. Just as there are enemies of uh, physical growth, there are some enemies of spiritual growth as well. Our spiritual development is never unopposed. We do not simply drift into maturity. It doesn't just happen. Well, you know, one day we're immature spiritually and then the next day all of a sudden we're just mature. Now that ain't how it works. To grow we must swim upstream against stubborn enemies and stubborn currents that try to hold us back. In Joshua chapter number 17, we'll be there for the remainder of the service, and we're going to read a story there in verse 12 through 18, Joshua is 17. The Bible says, Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites would dwell in the land. Yet it came to pass, when the children of Israel were waxing strong, that they put the Canaanites to tribute but did not utterly drive them out. And the children of Joseph spake unto Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit, seeing I am a great people for as much as the Lord hath blessed me hitherto? And Joshua answered them, If thou be a great people, then get thee up to the wood country, and cut down for thyselves there in the land of Perizzites, and of the giants and uh, if Mount Ephraim to be too narrow for thee, and the children of it, Joseph said, The hill is not enough for us, and the Can- and all the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, but they who are of uh, beth Sheen, Uh, and her towns, and they who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spake unto the house of Joseph, even to Ephraim, and to Manasseh, saying, Thou art a great people, and hast great power. Thou shalt not have only uh, one lot only, but the mountain shall be thine, for it is a wood. And thou shalt cut it down, and the outgoing of it shall be thine, for thou shalt drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots, and though they be uh, strong." This passage in Joshua 17, 12 through 18, throws, throws some light on why, uh, why we become stagnant Christians, why we fail to grow, why we have problems in our Christian life. And I want to give you some examples or some reasons here. Number one, we, we, we become stagnant or stale when we, we exercise just partial conquest. Look there in verse 12 and 13. It says, Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. Yet it came to pass when the the children of Israel were waxen strong that they put the Canaanites to tribute but did not utterly drive them out. Now God had told them to drive them out, to get the rid of them, to get totally destroyed, to get them out of there. But they decided that they knew what was best for them and they decided to uh, go ahead and they thought they were strong enough they thought it would be okay if they just uh, had partial conquest, partial victory. God wants us to have the ultimate victory. Now, don't misunderstand this point. Although Israel had conquered the land, many of the Canaanites, the enemies of that land, if you please, were still living in the land. In Joshua 16.10, it says, They drave not out the Canaanites that dwelt in Gezir, and but the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraims unto this day and serve under tribute. In Judges chapter 1, we discover an important clue concerning this problem. In Judges 1, 27-23, the tribes of Israel did not utterly destroy the Canaanites, and they failed to drive them out. And before Israel entered the land, God had in no certain terms uh, uh, that, uh, all, told them that all the inhabitants of the land were to be driven out completely. Not one single Canaanite was to be left. But again and again, we read that they did not drive them out. Now, the land swarmed with both natives and newcomers. No wonder they- they they complained about the crowded situation that they were in. Suppose you meet me on the street and ask how i'm how am I?" Well, I say not so well. We need a larger house. There's only three of us or four but Only three of us in the house at the time, but we're crowded. And you say, I can help you. There's a 12-room house for sale that's really cheap. A family of seven has lived there, but they're wanting to move. And off I go and I buy that property. I buy that house from that that 12-room house. A few days later, you meet me again in the street and you ask me, how am I doing? I say, not so well. We need a larger house. A larger house... But there are only four of you there in, the, in that 12-room castle. How could you be crowded? Well, the former owners, the seven of them, you know, are, are still living there. They're still living there. And, and it's getting pretty crowded. I wouldn't, it wouldn't require a genius to solve the problem. Move out the former owners. Get them out of there. And that's what God is saying here. He's saying, "Hey, there's a problem. There's there's not enough room. Get out the old inhabitants. Get them out of here. Get them away from us." See, they've been had plenty of room, but it was it was occupied by the enemy. You see, it's foolish to ask God to give you more blessings when you haven't lived out the blessings you've already have. There is no use asking God for additional truth when you haven't obeyed the truth that God has already given you. Are you living up to your capacity? Look around. Have you allowed some Canaanites to remain in your life? God told you to drive out every one, but uh, there are one or two or maybe three that you're especially fond to, that you're holding on to, that you're holding around just in case, and, and you, but you've given them strict orders to behave themselves, and, and, and for the most part they've done so. Let me tell you, they, uh, there can be no continued growth as long as you are tolerating a presence of a single Canaanite. As long as you hey, God says, I'm going to give you the victory. I'm going to give you this, but you've got to drive out all these things. You've got to get rid of all these sins in your life. But, God, there's a couple that I'm really fond to. I really like holding on to this. You you know, I like doing this, and I know it's wrong. and And yet we think we can claim the promises of God. See, it's interesting to know some of the reasons why they kept them around. Number one, in a spirit of compromise, God said that every inhabitant had to go, and we reasoned that surely one or two shouldn't make a difference. That's the way it begins. We know a thing is wrong, but just a little bit, Okay. After all, no one is perfect. We know of worse things in the life of other Christians, and, and they seem to get along okay. No matter how we say it, we are compromising the word of God, and that is plain disobedience. But then in a spirit of complacency. Did you notice when the tribes allowed the Canaanites to stay, they put them to forced labor? That means they made slaves of them. Sure, they had been the enemy, but now they were slaves under their control. Who says the Bible isn't up to date? I can count the number of people I've heard reason the same way. Yeah, I know that it's not altogether right, but I can handle it. It's a problem, but I've learned to control it. Have you ever heard someone say... That about drinking? Oh, I can take it or leave it. What's so great about that? That all anyone can do is take it or leave it. There's no third alternative. But I've observed that those who say that they can take it or leave it usually take it. The truth is the Israelites couldn't handle it. And neither can you. The Canaanites refused to be slaves, and if the Israelites couldn't do it, neither can we. But then a spirit of cowardness. If it were so tragic, if it wasn't so tragic, this would be funny. If you look at chapter 17, verse 16, Joshua told the people that if they wanted more room... They should uh, go up to the force and clear out the land. Notice their reply. First, they said they would, uh, that the hill uh, country wasn't big enough, but actually, they were afraid of the armed Canaanites. But the, the, they thought the Canaanites had been, I, I thought the Canaanites had been under their control. I thought they were slaves under their control. If so, then those are the strangest slaves I've ever heard of. One of the big reasons why we don't drive out the Canaanites, these pet sins, if you will, and we could attribute to that, uh, these hidden habits, is that we're afraid that we can't. We avoid direct confrontation with it. It's much more comfortable living with the illusion that we can handle it, that we can drive it out, that we can take care of it anytime we please. You say you you can quit that habit anytime you want to? Then why don't you? You know it's wrong. To him that knoweth to do good and to him that doeth it not, to him it is sin. Spirit of cowardness, Spirit of compromise. But then when we expect special consideration, Manasseh was the firstborn of Joseph and the Ephraimites were relatives of Joshua uh, the head man. Surely they deserve some special treatment here. You couldn't expect someone as great as, as they were to live by the same rules as everybody else. See, why we are, are become so stale, why we become so stagnant is because we think we deserve better. Well, I'm better than so-and-so, or I, I belong to this church, or I've done this, or I deserve some kind of VIP treatment. You know what the thing of it is? You're a sinner saved by grace. And I'm a sinner saved by grace. There's no big I's and little U's. See, I'm amazed at how many Christians actually feel this way. They know the law governing growth and spirituality, being faithful to Bible study, faithful to prayer, faithful to confession of sins, faithful to be obedient to what God has taught them to do. However, they expect God's blessings without being faithful to what God has told them to do. Our our passage reveals reveals two factors that contribute to this attitude, pride or haughtiness. The sons of Joseph boasted that they were a great people and had been singularly blessed by the Lord. This, they thought, should qualify them to some special treatment. Pride is subtle termite that eats away the foundation of Christian growth. It can attack a church or an individual with equal deadliness. Let me tell you, pride will destroy your life. A respected position in a church, widely acclaimed talent, a past blessing, high honors, any one of these can inflate your ego and cause you become haughty and arrogant. Then I want you to notice also the second thing is laziness. I'm convinced the main reason why Christians are so stale, so stagnant in their Christian walks is because of laziness. They're not dedicated to what God has called them to do. The major problem with most Christians is laziness. It was was so with the crowd in Joshua 17. Joshua told them if they wanted more land, they had to work for it. Cut down the trees and drive out to Canaanites, and that was the stipulation. That was their only stipulation. They could have more room, but that's exactly what they weren't willing to do. They didn't want to build or battle. They just wanted to beg. We're often the same way at this precise moment. You're as spiritually as you want to be. You've heard me say that before. You're as spiritual as you want to be at this moment. Oh, I know we moan and groan. we wishing we were more spiritual, but wishing won't get it. It's useless to beg God for more growth if we're not willing to build and battle for it. One day a father took his son to Spurgeon's college to study for the ministry under the, the Prince of Preachers. When Mr. Spurgeon told the father... The course of the instruction would take several years. The father said, My son, he's he's very brilliant. He's a very bright young man, and I'm certain that you can arrange for him to finish much sooner. Mr. Spurgeon replied, Sir, God takes 20 years to grow an oak tree and only six months to grow a squash. Which do you want your son to be? See, there's no shortcuts in the ministry. There's no shortcuts in your spirituality. To reach it demands discipline and determination. To be determined, be focused, to be faithful to God's Word. And then the last thing I have for you, why we become stagnant is because we fail to do our prior commitments. Joshua had the solution to their problems there in verse 17. Notice this is, And Joshua spake unto the house of Joseph and even to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, Thou art a great people and hast great power. Thou shalt not have one lot only, but the mountain shall be thine, for it is a wood, and thou shalt cut it down, and the outgoing of it shall be thine, for thou shalt drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong. He says, Clear out the force and drive out the Canaanites. That was a simple solution to their growth problem. Until this happens, no expansion could happen. No expansion could be expected. The land was theirs, but before they could possess it, these things had to be done. So it is with us. Although they've evaded their their prior commitments, I trust we will not. So let's examine more closely the two tasks Joshua assigned them to do. And... I call them commitments for, for their growth, and they're necessary for our growth as well. Number one, we need to clear out the clutter. Now, my wife and I, she's not here, and I don't think she's watch, She's not feeling good at all, so I doubt she's watching. She'll want to hear me, I'm sure. But I have about five closets in our, in our bedroom. Not physical closets, but places I hang things. I have a treadmill. I just bought her for Valentine's Day. This tells you how romantic I am. An elliptical machine. <laughs> they say, "Never buy your wife, uh, you know, uh, exercise equipment or vacuum machines, stuff like that for that's what she wanted, so I got that for. Her yeah anyway, so I got that now. I've got uh then I'll hang stuff over there's a, a bed um, headboard, I'll hang some clothes on that. And before the you know what, I've got clutter all through the house, and she has to go behind me and she clears out my clutter. You know, before we can have a clean room, we've got to clear out the clutter. And that's what Joshua's telling them. He says The mountain, he says in verse 18, But the mountain shall be thine, for it is a wood, and thou shalt cut it down. We need to chop down some trees. There's nothing wrong with trees unless you want to build a house, grow some corn, or lay a road down where a tree is growing. These trees had to be removed. If these trees are cluttering the land, you can't say there's not enough room. They need to be cleared out. Harmless things that need to be cleared out of our lives are things that need to be done. Clear out the clutter. These trees symbolize the many harmless things, even good things, that fill our agendas in our daily lives. I'm certain that when I've talked about the necessity of daily time of prayer and Bible study, someone has said, Oh, that would be great, but I'm just too busy. Can I tell you, each one of us has as much, the as same amount of time as everybody else. I have the same amount of hours, the same amount of minutes, the same amount of seconds as you have. Why is it that some people have time to read their Bible and pray and have a walk with God, but other people don't? Priorities. You say, but I've got this to do, and I have to do this, and I have to do this. Then get up, go to bed a little bit earlier. Wake up a little bit earlier. Whatever the case may be, but make reading God's Word, having a walk with God, make that a priority in your life. Clear out the clutter that's in your life. There may be some things that uh, really, uh, maybe they're not bad things, but they're taking up time. I know some people that will sit on their phone looking at Facebook for hours Hours, but don't have time to read their Bible. I'm hiding because I don't want anybody throwing tomatoes at me. You know, I may, well, maybe it's not Facebook. Maybe it's going shopping. Maybe it's exercising. Is exercising wrong? Is getting on Facebook wrong? Is getting on the computer? Is watching TV? Is any of these things wrong? No. But when they take up more time and you don't have time to read your Bible and pray and get in God's and have a little bit of alone time with God, hey, you're too busy. You need to clear out the clutter, unplug the TV, turn off the internet. I'm talking about people that are stale and stagnant in their Christianity and they're wondering why. I don't understand it. I I just don't understand why I'm not growing spiritually. I guess it's the preacher. He's not preaching enough or he's not... Hey, if you're only being fed one hour a week, hour and a half a week when I'm preaching, you're going to become a stale, stagnant, weak Christian. If you only ate three times a week, you're going you're to be weak and frail and a sissy. And as a Christian, if you're, if you're not reading your Bible, you're not getting in God's Word only, but on, on when the preacher's preaching, you're going to be weak. You're going to be a sissy Christian. Get in God's Word, clear out the clutter. That's good preaching. Perhaps that means late-night television will have to be eliminated from your life. Maybe it means not spending so much time reading the paper or a good book. Maybe it means having a microwave meal instead of a five-course meal. Uh Uh-huh, it happens anyways. Then we need to clean out the corruption. Look there in verse 18 again. It says, drive out the Canaanites. He says, chop down the trees, but then he says, clear out the Canaanites, drive them out. We must clean out the harmful things that corrupt our lives as well. After the trees come the Canaanites. You'll never have the power to drive out the habits of sin in your life until you give priority to daily time of fellowshipping with God, communing with Him. The principle for personal growth lies within every christian just as with our physical development however we must cooperate with the laws of spiritual health if that growth is to be realized if you want to grow if you want to be if you don't want to be that stagnant and you don't want to be in that rut you ever been there i know i know i've been there I've been in that place where it just seems like I couldn't get out of the rut. I've been, I've been stale. I've been stagnant before. I need to clear out the, the, the clutter. Maybe clean out some, chop down some trees in my life. Maybe not necessarily bad things. Trees aren't bad. I need to clear out that clutter. And then drive out the Canaanites. There was sin in my life. There's some things that wasn't right with between me and God. I needed to get those things right. Confess my sins unto Him. Then we can grow. But it's not until we finally decide, hey, you know what? I've had enough. I need to focus more on Him. That's when we'll begin to grow. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Oftentimes, you'll you'll drive by a, a pond. If that pond is stagnant, if it's stale, if there's no water running through it, no fountain, what happens is there's some film and some nastiness that grows on the top of it. For the Christian, when there's no word of God flowing through our lives, no prayer flowing through our lives, no walk with God, We'll get some filth that grows on us. We need to clear it off. I want to challenge you this afternoon. Say, God, I, I, don't, want, I don't want to be a stale Christian. I don't want to be a stagnant Christian. I want to grow. I don't want my, I don't want my, fervor, my fervent zeal to, to stop. I want to stay on fire for you, God. I, God, I want, I want you to rekindle my fire. I don't want to be guilty of just having a three-year stagnant, uh, three-year uh, longevity for my Christian life. I, I want to be a flowing Christian, a Christian that has has uh, has some good life to him, living the abundant life. Won't you come and ded- rededicate your life or whatever, however the Lord has dealt with you this morning, our heavenly Father, Lord, you know exactly what we need. Lord, I pray that you will take this simple message this morning and apply it to our hearts and lives that so we may be better servants for thee. Lord, help us not to be accused of being, of being stale, stagnant Christians. Lord, help us to grow. Thank you for what you're going to do. We give you all the praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. As Ms. Haley begins to play, God spoke to your heart. thank you for being here this morning. We'll all stand and close in a word of prayer. Pray for Wednesday night. We've had to cancel the last two Wednesday nights, but uh, pray that we'll be able to uh, have services on Wednesday, and uh, looking forward to it. We're we'll going to close in a word of prayer. How much, Brother Danny, sir, would you close this, sir, please? Oh, thank you. privilege really, for being
1: here this
0: morning. Good messages, that we've heard. Help us to make uh, growing spiritually a priority in our lives, to Realize life, we need to put aside some things and make hey, Bible study and prayer important. The Lord, put you first in all things. Lord, help us to uh, be better servants for your glory as we dismiss here and serve you this week.